Hello, Monetization Nation. In the last episode with Evan Stewart, we discussed how to build a successful business by focusing on quality before we focus on monetization. In today's episode, we're going to discuss how we can better build relationships with ourselves, our customers, and our partners. Tectonic shifts are constantly transforming the earth and business, causing destruction and huge growth opportunities. I'm Nathan Gwilliam, the host of Monetization Nation, where we learn how to leverage business tectonic shifts to transform monetization. Let's talk about this new opportunity, this business you're in the middle of right now. Um, you shifted from a, a physical, tangible real estate company to a business that's primarily uh, an information products company. You're, mm -hmm. you're an infopreneur now. Mm -hmm. I want to talk about that transition a little bit and then maybe talk to us about your value ladder. So for those who are listening who aren't as familiar with that, the value ladder is a, well, maybe you can explain what is your, what is a value ladder and what is, what is your value ladder? How do you make money? Sure, sure. So I assume you're referencing Obsessed Academy. Yes, uh, and Obsessed particular. Conference is part of that. But. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So um, with with those companies uh, in particular, the that that came to be when I was in that first real estate company, and I saw an interesting trend that, that Nathan you've probably seen as well, which is there were all these people that were so good, and they had worked hard, and they had the hustle, and they had the effort, and they had the energy, and nothing ever became of it. And it was yeah. year after year after year after, and it was oh, this is going to be my year, yeah. But you've been in the business for thirty three years. When when are you going to stop saying it and start doing it? And that's a value neutral statement. It's not derogatory or judgmental, but that yeah. is the data. Every year cannot be your year. Eventually, something's got to change if, if you're not duplicating and producing results. So I looked around at this time, and I saw these people that were wishing great things, but doing uh, normal things, producing normal results. And I started to wonder, okay, I dropped out of college. I'm no smarter. I'm no better. I'm no, I, I, I'm no, I mean, I mean look, I'm, I'm 135 pounds. I don't even have like the linebacker mentality, right? And so I looked around and I thought, okay, um, there's if I can produce results, why... And these other people around me that on paper should be doing much, 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 much better than I, why, why are they not uh, figuring it out? And what I noticed was that there's this huge lack of information in the marketplace. If you search online courses or training or something like that, you will get pages and pages and pages and pages and pages. Google has more than one or two pages, by the way. Uh, there's a lot of pages of crap. I mean, legitimate crap from people that have spoken to things before they've done the things. And they want to talk about sales training before they've made a sale. And they'll talk about motivation on, hey, let's get your mindset right. You know what? I believe that personal development goes out the window when bills come in the door. Get your mind right all you want. But if you come home to a stack of pink slips, I'm sorry, all that mindset is going to go out the window real quick because you have crap to take care of. And so what I recognized were there were specific ways that I was communicating, that I was building, that I was selling that uh, could be protected in a proprietary sense. I love intellectual property, have an idea, get paid on it forever. Um, and, and that it worked. So I thought I started processing and systematizing the things that, that we were doing. And, and I recognized that they were working for my friends in California and Colorado and Canada. And uh, I started recognizing, hey, these are pretty widely applicable. And so um, built a training infrastructure, which now fast forwarding to what you're speaking to, um, Obsessed Academy is, is really a, a consulting firm, a, a hub uh, for entrepreneurs to go and find the resources that they need to scale, not from mindset or ideology, but from tactical strategy. Here's where it's been proven and implemented, and here's how you can do the same. Um, and it is info 
uh, a business of information. It truly is. Um, our value ladder is simple. It's straightforward. It's online training infrastructure. It's enterprise level uh, training infrastructure. It's uh, an opportunity to work uh, directly with people at a, at a really high level. And it's a really cool event-based scenarios like the Obsessed Conference. Um, and so there are different distribution methods though of really the same information, which is most of the professionals out there, be it self-employed, side hustle, entrepreneur, small business, medium business, even some enterprise corporations have the wrong data. And I'm not saying I know all the answers. I don't believe in being a guru. What I'm saying is, is revenue relationships and structures as it relates to a service-based industry is what we know and what we do. And so stemming from that real estate, how that whole came, uh, process came to be was seeing that need identified in the marketplace. And then it got picked up pretty quickly. So, um, yeah, it's it's a great little little business. It, it definitely, uh, um, you know, it, it it's very fulfilling to be able to pour into entrepreneurs, walk through them, especially tough seasons like we're coming out of with COVID and whatnot, and and allow them to miss some of those same hurdles and um, truly enjoy it. You referred to a home run that's coming up, uh, a new venture that you're working on. You want to? Can you tell us anything about that, or is it still secretive? Some of them I can't know, but um, I. I, I, I might've mentioned earlier, I mean, about the inspiration, fascination, motivation, my, my bottom line is everything that I do, I want to leave people better than they're found. Um, I believe that companies can grow profitably and create environments where employees are fulfilled in their life through their work. Um, but Obsessed Academy, we, we have uh, other avenues and, and, and software we have, uh, and, and not we as Obsessed Academy, but we as my wife and I and software and biomedical technology and in, in, in these different avenues that allow people to live happier, healthier, more productive lives. And so, um, no, we just got always have irons in the fire, you know, and, uh, uh anything to, to create an opportunity and, and be present. Um, right now we're, we're keeping our heads down. We're staying focused and, um, it's a season of work, but, um, yeah, yeah, it's just, it, it, it's, it's going to pay off for sure. <laughs> so we'll, we'll have to do a loop around when I can get a little more granular in depth into sure. some of these things. But, um, you know, ultimately I think that individuals that have one big play and then lean into that one play for their entire life are missing the mark. That play is a catalyst for so much more. And that's really what we're trying to lean into here. Spoken like a true serial entrepreneur. <laughs> perhaps, perhaps. Okay. Can you tell us maybe the top three takeaways from Obsessed Academy and, and maybe give a, a, an example of a company that, or an entrepreneur that implemented these principles and the, the success they were able to realize. Mm, sure. Um, one of the biggest that comes to mind, as you mentioned, that is this ideology that a transaction, so a moment of doing business together, that that is a byproduct of a vested relationship, that it's not the goal of the relationship. So you'll hear this catchphrase, right? I'm relational over transactional. Well, good for you, but that doesn't mean anything unless you put it into practice. So building vested relationships with people in your community, with other business owners, referral-based, referral-rich relationships, um, it's possible to build a company and an organization that's profitable and that scales through vested relationships. I'm going to go through those two or three points, and then I'll give you that example because it actually flows into uh, a few great examples, but one in particular that comes to mind. The second is that sales or achieving the goal, we'll use sales interchangeably here because sales is what drives all of business, but achieving a specific goal is nothing more than having a conversation with a motive. That's it. The problem is most professionals forget to have a conversation and it's just the motive and it's, and, and you can feel it, right? You get the call. 
hey, Nathan, this is Evan Stewart at a catch in a bad time. It's like, whoa, no one's going to pick up that phone call, right? Hey, we're giving you a call today to tell you a little bit. Okay, well, first of all, you don't tell me what I need to know. I tell you what I need to know, and then you position that into a solution. Second of all, that's the motive. There's no conversation. And so from a sales standpoint, what we really break down is when you want to work with people that can buy again, and again, and again, and come back and bring their friends. While Disney says, do what you do so well, people come back and bring their friends. Then that needs to be relational, but the relational aspect will not be built on transactional motives. And when you can just have a conversation and at some point a solution will arise. And at some point there's an opportunity to dive deep into what you really need. And we can position our products or our services as a solution. Um, then there's an opportunity to uh, to do business there, but but that's on the back of of a, a less um, just a, abrasive conversation. So I'll give you an example. There's a, an individual we were working with that was in a real estate industry. Most of the clients we work with are actually not in real estate, but many still are from my experience there. Um, and he, when we started working together in 2018, so fall November 1st of 2018, um, so it's 2021 now, but uh, he was working with an assistant and one or two other people on a small team in another firm. And we were messaging this morning. He's since expanded his team, went to another firm, expanded his team. And as of this morning, I think they just hired their 90th or 91st person. Oh so God. over the expanse of, um, you know, two, what is that? Essentially, you know, two and a half, two and a half years or so, three years um, by the time that, that that'll be done. And so that's pretty expansive growth during that time. Um, and it's been very humbling to be able to see, you know, many business owners are doing things 70, 80, 90% correctly, but that final 5, 10, 15, 20, 30%, ooh, it just kills that scalability to where, would he have achieved that result without us? Absolutely, because he's a friggin' killer. Would he have done that in five years or eight years or 12 years or 15 years instead of two and a half? Yeah, it would have taken significantly longer. And so um, now it's not because we're great, he works hard, but having that additional third party to walk with you and and help guide around some hurdles that would have sucked a lot of money and opportunity, avoid some pretty big roadblocks is, is invaluable, right? I'm sure even Nathan, you, you probably believe the same thing. Definitely. There's a lot of power in mentors and, and the biggest benefit of mentors, it's not that we can't figure out some of these things ourselves, but it's mm -hmm. just the time. How long does it take us to figure each of these things out ourselves? And there's just not enough hours in the day to do all of that. No, there's not. There's really not. Okay, you, you wrote an article about the five key areas we need to focus on to maximize every day. Mm. Um, you want to share those five areas with us? Sure, sure. They're in no particular order. Uh, wow, that was an older article. <laughs> I haven't written a, written a blog in a while. Um, maybe that's, I need to get back on my content game and kind of get back on your level. Um, <laughs> so yeah, the five key areas, it's a personal, financial, spiritual, relational, and professional. And what this is essentially are different areas of your life that you can spend your time, your energy, and your resources that you can block out a little bit of, of your kind of segregation of finances, time, relationships, and, and determine, okay, if I'm in a place in my life where I'm trying to do more and I, I want to do more in a, in a tactical way, I want my business to grow, I want my relationships to be healthier, part of that is really getting into the nitty gritty of what's zapping the things that... Um, 
uh, you, you know, time, energy, and resources. Those three qualifiers. So your personal life is uh, that you, that that's you as a person. That is your headspace. That is how you feel about yourself, right? If you think that you're overweight, then go to the gym. If you think that you're underweight, then find a nutritionist. If you think that you know this, essentially, it's the if this then that. It's how do you feel about yourself when the door closes and the lights go out? Right? What's going through your mind when you're going to sleep at night? Are you replaying? things that give you anxiety or, or are you confident with who you are? Um, your financial, I believe that what you earn and how you earn is just as important. So you want to earn a million dollars, great, but how you get that money is just as important as the money that you actually receive. Um, it's really interesting. Uh, Inc. did a study back in 2016 now, so it's a little outdated, but the fundamental uh, ideology applies, which is some people were willing to take as much as a 35% pay cut just to be in a happier working environment. Yeah. What you earn and how you earn is just as important. Uh, personal, financial, spiritual. If you're a person of a specific faith, it's diving deep into that faith. Uh, if you carry an agnostic faith or, or something that doesn't fall into a particular category, then it's headspace. It's just breath, peace, personal, financial, spiritual, relational. Um, the people in your world and in your life need to support your life and you theirs, right? The transaction is not the only thing that comes off of a vested relationship. Life is built through vested relationships. Um, relationships are some of the most important things that you can focus on at any stage of the business, because the people close to you will be the reason that you succeed or, or falter. I, 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 I would not be able to share such incredible dialogue uh, with you, Nathan, and your incredible questions here on your show um, if it wasn't for my wife, right? Um, personal, financial, spiritual, relational, and then professional. We said it once, but I'll say it again. Your workplace needs to inspire, fascinate, and motivate. And if your life does not significantly improve because of your time and your work, then that's an occupation, what you good, what you might be good at doing or what you are doing versus a vocation, what you should be doing. And so at a high level, I believe that those five areas in particular provide a fundamental framework for you to look at how you're spending your time. I recommend touching them on a weekly basis and saying, okay, I need to make sure that I'm spending time, that I'm investing energy, resources in these five areas every single week to make sure that my life stays in a good flow of, of balance. Balance doesn't exist, by the way. It's not, I, I worked for five hours, now I'm going to go hang out for five hours. That's not, that's not real balance. Balance is I'm going to stop sacrificing the things that I said that were important to me for the things that I know aren't in the name of the things that are. I told yeah. my family that they're important, but I'm no longer with them because I'm working in the name of providing for my family. So now both falter. That's balance. But that clarity doesn't come unless you look at those five areas and know how you're dividing your time, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Finding that balance, finding that fulfillment that only can come through that balance mm -hmm. is critical right, to correct. be an entrepreneur. So easy to, to be out of balance in that way. Mm -hmm. Okay. What's the biggest failure or mistake that you've made in your career and what'd you learn? Man, a lot. <laughs> um, I am a, I'm a proud failure. Um, I failed a lot. I failed a whole lot. I think the biggest thing is you know, early on, I thought that I needed help, Nathan. I thought that I needed partnership. It really stemmed from an insecurity, actually, of, yeah. well, I'm too young and I don't know. But see, I did know. And I, I was too young. Yeah, I was 19 when I got started. But um, but I, I had the knowledge, right? Because knowledge is the over way to overcompensate for lack of experience. And so I had this knowledge. and I, I knew all of the ways to do my job really, really well. Um, but I didn't, I wasn't confident. So I got into these business partnerships of people where I would work very, very hard and there would be a disparagement in labor and results versus my partner who maybe didn't share the same moral or, or work ethic. Um, 
And there was one partnership in particular um, years ago that uh, that really, really hurt, um, really hurt. I mean, at the time it was that year alone, just out of my pocket, not even from the business issue was, you know, four or five, six hundred thousand dollars of, of, of issue, which um, could have been utilized later in, in really incredible ways. Um, and it wasn't just the financial aspect, you know, bad partnerships are like bad marriages where every way, except hopefully intimate, you're, you're married to this person and you're involved with this person and uh, uh, you make financial decisions together, you work together. And so I think my biggest failure actually, well, I don't believe in failure, I believe in feedback, but my biggest setback was, was really stemmed from inadequate partnerships um, to where I, I recognized that un, ununioned growth is a thing. Yeah. And you have to be very aware, hyper aware and audit the relationships that you're working with because uh, just because somebody is excited to work with you doesn't mean that they're the right person. Sometimes you're looking for help, but when in reality, you need time. I just needed five years and I was in year two. That's it. Uh, it, it just took me being on the other side of that to really recognize. Uh, but, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, so <laughs> certainly not complaining. Yeah, I made that same mistake early on too, where I didn't believe in myself enough and I thought I needed to hire people or or bring on people to do things that... Um, the, the term that's used is self-efficacy. Yes. Yes. You, you just got to realize as an entrepreneur, you can figure it out. You can do it. That that doesn't mean you shouldn't get help, but that doesn't mean you have to give up equity in your business or hire someone and give them control of something that that you are very capable of doing. You got to trust yourself. Well, well, actually, I'd I'd love to even break down one tactical thought on that, if that's okay with you, Nathan, yeah. because. Um, get help, don't get married. And the other thing is if you're looking at a partnership, first of all, 50-50 partnerships never exist. They just don't exist. Not even in- in never exist. Unfortunately, too many of us do them. I've made that mistake before. I I have too. Oh, I'm speaking from experience here. I have too. We all have because we think, oh, Nathan, let's do this together. Let's go into business together and we'll be 50-50. It's never 50-50. There's always someone that's putting out more uh, effort over here, driving more results here. There's always a disparagement. And the other thing is you've got to have a leader. Every army has to have someone leading the charge forward. And so if you're in a situation, if you're listening to this and you're knowing that you're an avid listener of Nathan's content, you're probably in some stage of building a business. If you're looking at a partner, what I would recommend is this. If for whatever reason you go into partnership, which partnership is not all bad, it's just many of them can end poorly. A, have an exit strategy in mind. Truly. Hey, Nathan, let's do business together. If this goes poorly, this is our exit strategy. This is an open dialogue for us to immediately have an out. No questions asked. Call you tomorrow, Nathan. I I don't want to do this anymore. No problem. It's a very clean, here's a a disbursement agreement right out of the gate. The second thing is instead of equity, there are so many other ways to collaborate with great people. Um, And if you decide to give up equity, don't don't give up to do some 50-50 split or some even split three people, everyone gets 33. Someone take charge, take charge. If you believe and you're listening to this, you believe that you're wired to be that CEO, then be the best damn CEO you can be, but own enough of the company to actually be the owner and CEO. So I know it's maybe a little bit fundamental, but um, that's huge. You know, we all think that, oh, especially self-employed people, right? Self-employed people, we got these two hustles, we can marry together. No, 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 play together get help, but, but maybe don't, don't, don't get married. You know, we can collaborate. Um, and that alone would have saved me whew, 
you maybe you too, Nathan. A lot of time and money and energy and heartache and <laughs> me too. And and not just the money lost in in uh, ending a relationship, yeah. but the opportunity cost of all of the good that could have been oh, done yeah. if that energy and those resource could, resources could have been focused on something positive. Mm-hmm. 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 No, you're exactly right. I mean, there's an opportunity to co- uh, cost to everything, and and we have a relational cap too, which is that let's say that the partnership. Uh, for whatever reason, dissolves. Maybe it's even a positive dissolve, but we're coming off of this season of union to where it's like a rebound. The last thing you want to do is jump into another partnership. So not only is that one season, let's say that you work together for three years. Well, in reality, that's a four or five year fallout because you have to recollect things and and reset and reorganize. And by the time you're ready again, imagine in five years, I mean, think, think Nathan, how many incredible people you've met in five years. I mean, if you just go through your show, you've had incredible conversations, not to mention the people you know behind the scenes. I mean, think how many names could have been missed in that five-year period. And, and if you're listening to this, just think back through some of the most important people in your life. How long have you really known them, right? right? All of a sudden, if you look at that opportunity cost, uh, it allows you to be a little more careful and, and audit who comes close to you and, and how quickly. So the key takeaway from this, a couple of key takeaways is number one, do everything you can to not give up equity in your company. Try to <laughs> yeah. work with great people in ways that you can still retain the ownership of your business. That mm-hmm. was point number one. Then point number two is if you have to give away equity, mm-hmm. do it in a way you can still retain control. And that's not just about money. In fact, most of that is not about money. It's, exactly. it's about decision-making authority, right? No two people or no three people are ever going to agree 100% of the time. And someone has to be able to step up and make that decision. Otherwise, the company is stuck in a state of paralysis. Mm-hmm. And by doing a 50-50 partnership, you're, you're guaranteeing you're going to paralyze your company. Almost guaranteed. Oh my gosh, yes. Well, and, and then from a founder's perspective, no one is going, to, I mean, your business is your baby. No one is going to care for it like you, dream big like you, execute like you, have the same vision like you. I can, you know, Nathan, we can collaborate on a vision, but the vision becomes our collaboration. It could be your product, your idea, but as soon as Evan comes into the mix, now it's both. And so that, just to affirm what you spoke to there, Nathan, about the decision-making capability, if you have this vision and this mission and you're impassioned to achieve it, you just need, I mean, that's just the data. You have to make sure that you are given an environment or building an environment in which you have the power to achieve it. That's because right. as soon as you bring another, uh, another opinion, especially now there's nothing wrong with giving up equity in the right scenarios. You know, you go through a raise, somebody gives you $20 million and they want a certain stake and they have a good ideology. I mean, sure that happens all the time, but man, every seat on that board is another sliver of power that goes away. And so just be aware of who you bring in because that, that will have a lot of effect in the long run. You really yeah. will. And when I've had to raise money in the past and give away equity, each of those people that you raise, that you raise money from, it's, it's one more person you have to convince of the vision and one more person you have to get on board and, and all of the time you have to invest to, to do that and manage those relationships. And um, I don't know, you want to, you want to ask yourself about the opportunity cost to, mm-hmm. to do that. And if it's, it's really worth it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, the big takeaway there, even from your statement, um, is to to the listener, ultimately just check, make that list and check it twice. I mean, really it's, uh, uh, you know, because there, there are circumstances where those are incredible opportunities 
And if you find an amazing equity partner and you just want, and it, hey, go for it. Good for you. But, but make that list and check it twice because especially for those that have had small companies, when it starts to build in a much larger, more robust infrastructure, you can play around and kind of screw around in the small. Uh, but I tell you what, if that stock, uh, that, that stock gets up a little bit, it's worth a little bit of money. And all of a sudden you're giving away a piece to someone who's not pulling their weight. Um, you know, it's easy to kind of dream big when no one's making anything, but you hit that 10 million, that 20 million, that 40 million, that 80 million, that hundred million, that all of a sudden, uh, that little piece for that little individual who just kind of helped you back in the days where you were sewing t-shirts together in a garage, trying to make the apparel company work. And now they're, they're earning $8 million a year sitting on their behind. Um, those are things that we need to think about, right? Is the relationship scalable up in addition to, um, in addition to the business model. Thank you so much, Evan, for sharing your stories and insights with us today. Here's some of Mikey takeaways from this episode. Number one, as we focus our time, resources, and energy on improving the personal, financial, professional, relational, and spiritual aspects of our lives, we will begin to get into the right headspace for success. Number two, a transaction is a byproduct of a vested relationship and not the goal of a relationship. Number three, if we enter into a partnership, we should remember to do everything we can to avoid giving up equity in our company. If we must give up equity in our company, we should strive to stay in control and have an exit strategy prepared in case things don't go as well as we hoped. If you enjoyed this interview and want to learn more about Evan or connect with him, you can find him on LinkedIn or visit his website at evanstewart.co. You can also listen to his obsessed podcast for more insights from him. And you can find links to each of those sites on the blog post for this episode at monetizationnation.com. Do you want to be a better digital monetizer? Then please follow these channels to receive more free digital monetization content. Number one, you can subscribe to the free monetization e-magazine at monetizationnation.com. Number two, you can subscribe to the Monetization Nation podcast and YouTube channel. And number three, please follow Monetization Nation on Instagram and Twitter. How could you build a better relationship with yourself? Please join our private Monetization Nation Facebook group and share your insights with other digital monetizers. Thanks for joining me for this episode. I wish you success in your efforts to build stronger relationships. Do you want to become a better digital monetizer? To receive great monetization stories and secrets, please go to monetizationnation.com and join free. And if you liked today's episode, please subscribe to the show and share it.